Awesome singing. Way to go. I want to welcome you this morning and just so happy that you would join us on this fall morning as we talk about God, as we move towards communion today. Uh, and just a heads up today, uh, as I go through my talk, I may stop and cough a few times. I'm having my last cold of the year right now, okay? Just a heads up, the last one. So we'll know that for sure. Uh, it's been a pretty miserable weekend. Wanted to stay in bed this morning, but I knew that I couldn't. So here we are, okay? So I want to ask if you would, if you'd grab these message notes out of your program. And then this card that says prayer opportunities. It should be toward the end of the pile of stuff you have in there. Uh, we used this card a few weeks ago and gave folks a chance if they wanted to, to sign up for our, you know, prayer ministries that we were talking about prayer. A lot of folks have emailed me about the positive way that prayer has influenced them. And uh, then they said, well, I'd like to pray more. And so we put this in a couple weeks ago, again this week. If you want to be part of one of these teams, you just write your name here and then where you'd want to serve and then make sure that gets in the offering basket end of our time together. That'd be really cool. Okay. At the top of your notes. Uh, is the theme verse for this series. Pastor John read it a moment ago, but I want us to read it again. I want you to help me out. So let's read it out loud together. Okay, ready, go. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So we've been talking in this series about the idea of devote. What does that word devote mean? It means to give myself fully toward something, to be committed to. That word devote means dedicated to. So in other words, if I build a boat and I have a boat and I put it in the water and it floats, it's dedicated as a boat to float. And so as I'm made as a human being, I'm dedicated. God made me in a way that I need to pray. And in order for me to be the fullest person he made me to be, then prayer is going to be part of my life. And yet what happens is so often that we end up uh, knowing that, but yet our prayers are scattered at best, and they're usually prayers like when we get a desperation, like, God, save me, help me, give me something that I need right now. And what he wants is, he wants a lifestyle. He wants us to be with him, praying and talking to him in relationship. I put the key idea for the series there for you, and it's this. Our belief that prayer changes things will directly impact our behavior concerning prayer. So if we really do believe, as we talked about in this series, that prayer changes things, then we are going to pray. It's just going to be something that A plus B equals C. When I know that prayer changes things, then I'm going to engage in prayer, and I'm going to have a behavior that does that. And, and I shared with you that uh, very confessionally that uh, as I was preparing for this, and it came from a time when God really just kind of you know, knocked me upside the head and said, Thompson, you're not doing prayer. And I was sharing with you this summer how he just, you know, showed me that, uh, that I was caught up in just kind of more of a rote prayer life uh, or especially that desperation prayer life, but that I wasn't coming to him as if I really believed prayer was going to change things because it wasn't showing in my behavior. And so, you know, I just thought, okay, well, in order for me to deal with this, then I need to have a series about it. And so we've all been looking at this together. And from your emails... Uh, the two things I've noticed from your emails to me, one, many of you could say that that would be the same place you have been in too. So we can all relate to that. Maybe not there now, but at some point. And then secondly, you've emailed me and you've talked to me about the power of prayer in your life. And you've given me examples that are just phenomenal of how you saw God work uh, through cancer, uh, through prolonged life, through children coming back to God, uh, through healing, 
through financial things that changed, and you've seen that, and so you wanted me to know that, yes, you know that prayer works, and so just kind of to inspire me even more in this series that we're in to kind of challenge us in this whole idea of prayer. Now, today I'm going to talk about how prayer changes us, and uh, there's kind of a couple ideas. I'm going to start with one and then take a break from it and then come back to it at the end, okay? So the whole idea of prayer changes us uh, would be spelled out in these two quotes I put here. One is from uh, C.S. Lewis, and then uh, if you saw the movie Shadowlands, you would have seen him speak this in that movie as he was talking about his wife who had been given her terminal uh, cancer diagnosis. But he says this, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. Can you relate to that? It doesn't change God, it changes me. And look at this quote by R.C. Sproul, theologian, writer. He says this, Prayer does change things, all kinds of things, but the most important thing it changes is us. As we engage in this communion with God more deeply, and come to know the one with whom we are speaking more intimately, that growing knowledge of God reveals to us all the more brilliantly who we are and our need to change in conformity to him. Prayer changes us profoundly. So it's not just about us changing circumstances or about changing others or about changing hearts. Prayer is about changing us. And what God wants to do in us when we engage in a prayer time with him is phenomenal. He doesn't want us to stay the same. It's just he doesn't want circumstances to stay the same, that he's going to allow the relationship that's developed. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is me coming to him and talking and being relational with him. I know right now with my son in college, you know, that uh, I long for those moments when he calls, and it's usually between classes or between other things, and, you know, so it's like two-minute conversations. You can relate to this. But when he calls and we get to have that conversation, that means so much to me that we got to connect relationally. And I know that when God calls us to prayer, that that's part of the whole idea is that we connect to him relationally and we talk with him and that we're building intimacy together. He longs for those times when we come with him and we need those times. We need those times where we connect relationally to him. So what I want to do today is I want to give us four prayers that we can pray that will change us if we'll pray them, okay? So we're going to kind of switch gears there. Now, here's four things you can do when you're in your, <coughs> when you're in your prayer time, uh, four prayers that I hope that you will make part of your everyday prayer life, actually. And you don't have to just do them when you're in your quiet time, but you can do them throughout your day. And I put them in two-word blocks so that you can remember them easily. And so I'm going to walk through these four prayers today, and then we're going to end with communion together as we get to kind of experience what we've talked about as we've prayed today, okay? The first two-word prayer is search me. It's search me. Search me. And so when I pray the search me prayer, what I'm doing is I'm saying to God, God, aim the searchlight of your brilliant holiness into the internal recesses of my heart and mind. Aim the searchlight of your holiness into the internal recesses of my heart and mind. Look deeply into me. God, search me. Now, most of you are going to recognize those words, God, search me, from Psalm 139. So familiar. Uh, those uh, at the end of Psalm 139. And King David's praying it this way when he says this. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And so that's his prayer. Now, what I want to do, and you can do this as well this week. It's going to be a, a thrill for you. I hate the fact that that baby has to leave. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Okay. We have monitors in the lobby, so that will help. So, um, and so when we, when Psalm 139, if you, look at, if you look at your homework this week on the inside of your program um, that we're going to be going through, you're going to be guided to go through Psalm 139. And what happens in Psalm 139 is David is reflecting on who God is and how God has made him. And so David begins Psalm 139 with, I'm going to use some big words, okay, this morning for us, okay? He begins with the omniscience of God. He begins with the fact that God knows all things. And so he's asking God, who knows all things, to probe his heart. He's, he's just kind of acknowledged, God, there's nothing in all the solar system that confuses you. There's nothing that's happening in my life that's confusing to you. There's nothing at all. You know it all. You know my rising up. You know my lying down. You know all there is about me. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways. And he's saying, God, you know me more than anyone else knows me. But God, more than that, you're everywhere. Not only are you omniscient, but you're omnipresent. You're everywhere. So there's never a place I can go that you're not. You're always available. You're always, I can never go away from your presence, he says. And so you know the deepest parts of me. And so I know that I will see you and experience you everywhere that I go. I will never be alone. So he talks about <coughs> his omniscience, his omnipresence, and he talks about his omnipotence, that you can do all things. Uh, you are a great God and you can do all things. You, but it says more than that, you know the depths of me. And so what, he's just moved to this whole idea, going through this series of thoughts about God's omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence. He's moved to just be reminded that God, who's all-powerful, loves him, wants to be in relationship with him, and he can never get away from him. And that doesn't scare him. In fact, that draws him closer to God and makes him want to lean into God. And then it strikes him just as, you know, kind of upside the head, kind of an aha, that God wants to be personally involved in my life. That God wants to be personally involved in your life. He thinks about me so often that if I could count how often he thinks of me, it would be more numerous than the grains of sand of the sea, he says. That's this God who loves me. And so all of that then causes him, when he just realizes how awesome God is, it doesn't cause him to recoil from God. It causes him to kneel before God in humility and come before God in humility and say to God, God, search me. Will you search me? Will you point out anything in me that offends me? God, do a spiritual CAT scan of my life. God, do a spiritual MRI of my heart. It's because I want to know what you know. I want to know what's inside of me that you see that's offensive to you, <coughs> that I've either been denying, covering up, or I'm just not aware of yet that I've done this thing that would be offensive to you. Now, that's David's heart. And so as we get to this place today, for us, I just want to ask, honestly, you don't have to raise your hand to this. How many of you want to know your heart is pure? How many of you want to know the condition of your heart? You don't have to raise your hand. Just kind of just think about this as we go. If you want to know the condition of your heart and you're willing to kind of take the kid's gloves off 
then you want to come to God and you want to pray the prayer, search me. God, there's nothing I want to hide from you. Search me. I want to know the condition of my heart. I want to know the condition of my soul. I don't want to go through my life deceiving myself, thinking that things are better than they really are. C.S. Lewis wrote it this way. He said this. He says, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Not what ought to be in us. And so what happens is he's calling us to be real before him. Not to bring our pretenses or to bring the plastic self that many of us carry through life, and especially when we come to church, by the way. He's asking us to bring the real self and say, search me, search me. So I just want to take a moment. I want to give us a chance to do that right now. Maybe uncomfortable for you, so as I give us this chance to pray, if this is uncomfortable for you, you can just you know, sit there with your eyes closed for a minute. But for those of us this is comfortable with, I'm going to ask if you would just bow your heads I'm just going to give us a moment to say, God, search me. Listen to him after you say that prayer. So God, show us anything in our lives that would be keeping us from experiencing all of you. Okay. So that's the first prayer. And if that's all we did, then it would leave us feeling pretty crummy. It would leave us feeling, you know, guilty feeling bad about our choices, bad about ourselves. But there's another prayer to pray. And that's the second prayer you would pray, and it's cleanse me. God, cleanse me. So basically, as you pray this first prayer, God, search me. And you can do this at any time. You can do this when you're driving down the road. You can do this at the stoplight. You can do this in your grocery store line. Because as you're standing, as you're going through life, there's all kinds of things that are going on inside of you. So you're not just saying, God, search me and show me those deeper things that I've hidden and there, you know, it would take a, a locksmith to get to. But you know what? Just search me right now and show me my attitude because I want to be different. And so then the next prayer would be cleanse me. And when you say this prayer, basically what you're saying is, okay, God, what you've shown me, you're right. I did that. I said that. I watched that. I felt that. I gave in to that. I hurt this person. So what you're saying is, you're just basically saying, God, you're right. Say, God, I know that that's made me not clean. So God, what I'm going to ask you to do right now is I'm going to ask you to cleanse me. Now, in another psalm, David actually gets more to the point. And Psalm 51, and this is what he says. He says, purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. You might just, and I will be clean. <coughs> That's what he's praying for. When I'm purified, I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. So what he's doing, and this is after David has committed uh, adultery and then was part of a murder plot, uh, to have a man killed is that David's reflecting on that and he's coming clean before God 
and he's praying this. He says, coming before God in confession. On Friday evening, I got the, the privilege of hanging out with our Celebrate Recovery folks. I got to go speak this week uh, on Friday evening and talk to them. And, uh, and I, in fact, first of all, I just couldn't wait to get there. I just love going to our Celebrate Recovery. And so I just want to kind of give a pause for a minute just to talk about this. Uh, I love Celebrate Recovery. What I love about Celebrate Recovery is I love the authenticity, I love the vulnerability, and I love the humility that I see in the people who go there. You know what, folks? You go to a lot of places in life, and when you go to Celebrate Recovery, when you walk in the doors of our Celebrate Recovery, you are saying, I'm broken, and I can't fix it. I'm broken, and I can't fix it. You know, I love that approach. I love that uh, honesty. And, you know, in that level of honesty, then that's how people are made whole and made well. What I love about our church is, is that we've tried to make Sunday to have the same atmosphere. And it's always, you know, I'm going to say it's a pressure uh, about this because we want everyone to know that when we walk in these doors, that every one of us is saying, I'm broken and I can't do anything about it. I'm broken and I'm here to hear about the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ who can do in my life what I cannot do. So we come in every week. That's the attitude of our church, and that's the attitude that we come with. Now, does everyone come in here that, with that? No, not at first. You can always tell when someone's new at Twin Cities. Don't want to bug you if you're new today. Um, because, you know, that they don't understand that this is a place where you don't have to pretend to be something you're not. You can come in here and be real about who you are and be honest about who you are. And that's what I love about Celebrate Recovery. And so I just encourage you, if you're someone who would say, you know what, I'm broken and I can't do anything about it, then I encourage you to try Celebrate Recovery next Friday at 7 o'clock. But on Friday evening, I talked to them uh, about confession. And I used Psalm 32. Uh, psalm 32 is another psalm where David has been talking about his sin, the same sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. And he's talking about the experience and how long it took him to finally come clean and what it did to him. And then he says, after he talked about what it did to him, he says, and he says I confessed to God, and when I confessed to God, God restored my joy. He restored my joy. You know, the reason that many of us struggle with joy in life, the reason that many of us give, you know, we're not a good advertisement for how Christ changes life, is because we don't show the joy that comes from knowing you've been cleansed, from knowing you've been forgiven, that knowing that he's washed you and you're whiter than snow and in that position that you're clean before him. And the way to get there is through confession. Just saying to him, I agree. Confession is coming to God and saying, I agree with what you've shown me when I prayed this prayer, search me. And so now I ask you to cleanse me of that. You can't ask to be cleansed if you're denying you're dirty. Okay, so you have to, first you have to admit that you are and not hide it, not blame other people, not try to, you know, get all religious and thinking that if I just observe all these religious rules and rituals that somehow that's going to cleanse me. <clears throat> it requires humility coming before him and saying, God, I admit that I've done this and now I ask you to do what I can't do. I ask you to cleanse me by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. Will you make me clean? 
not by anything that I've done, but simply as a result of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And that brings us to the idea of the cross. When we look at the cross, we realize that when Jesus Christ died there, he paid my penalty and he made it possible for everything I've done to be erased, <coughs> to be taken away, so that when God looks at me, he no longer looks at me as that broken one who couldn't be fixed, but he looks at me as that one he loves that he gave his life for, and he sees his son, Jesus Christ, when he looks at me. And when we come to him, then we can be cleansed. Look at what it says in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins <coughs> and to <coughs> cleanse us from all, all wickedness. So I just want to ask, do you want to be clean today? I, I don't think you're here because you want to stay the same. I think you're here because you want to be clean. And you come in here knowing that I'm broken. You come in here knowing that there is something in my life that there are no one else knows except God. And I today want to bring that to him. And I want to ask him to cleanse me and to do for me what I could not do by my own effort. My favorite phrase on this, if I could have, I would have. So if you can cleanse yourself, if I could have, I would have by now. Because how many of you have tried a lot? So a lot of ways that we try to make ourselves clean. And we end up running on a treadmill of, I was reading recently a book, and it's called Performanceism, uh, is one of the phrases used for this, is that if I can perform well enough, then I can cover it up. And we end up stuck in that, but really it's about receiving the grace of Jesus Christ, the grace that God made possible through Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay, so search me, that's the first prayer, cleanse me, and then the third one, they're, these are all going to go in order, okay, and it's, you're going to see the sequence. The third one is change me change me. Search me, cleanse me, change me. Now, what a change me prayer says is that, God, I'm not satisfied with my life today. I'm not satisfied with my life today. God, I'm tired of doing laps around the same old pool, responding to life in the same old ways. I'm just tired of this way that I'm living life, thinking that if I just try hard enough or if I do something differently, then I'm going to be different, but it just seems to be like I'm going around the same pool and nothing changes. So what this is, is this is a prayer to change the status quo. Now, some of you are in a place where you feel stuck in your faith. You feel stuck in your faith. You've been going to your community group, and you've been going maybe for several years, and you've been going as time goes on, that, oh, this just isn't doing anything for me anymore. I don't feel like I'm gaining from this, and I'm getting stuck. And some of you may feel that about church. You know what? I'm coming to church, but it's just not doing anything for me. I don't seem to be receiving what I did when I first started. It seems to have lost some of its excitement as I come here. So maybe the reason you're stuck is because you've not been willing to pray to God, God, change me. God, change me from the inside. God, you make the change happen in me. It's not what somebody else does, but God, it's what you want to do in me and through me. God, I want to turn myself over to you instead of relying on others and outside sources and other ways that I can measure my growth to change me. God, I want to come to Jesus Christ and let him change me 
from the inside out. See, when you come to Jesus, you're gaining more than just eternity in heaven. You're gaining more than just forgiveness. You're gaining, and I love this, a partner in the change process. You're gaining a strength that you've never had before, and he wants to come into your life, and he wants to change you. And God says the way he wants to change you is he wants to grow you to look like his son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to change. And the kind of change, I just want to be really clear when we talk about this because we can get so confused, is an inside-out change. So when God says he wants to change me, it's not, you know what? If you'll do all these things, if you'll take all these next steps, if you'll memorize these principles, it's none of that. It's always, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you surrender to me? Will you allow me to change you instead of your desire to think that you want to be able to say no to lust? Instead, let me change your desires instead of you fighting the desire for lust the rest of your life. I will change you if you let me change you from the inside out. Look how Paul writes. He says this, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. So the whole idea is that God wants me to be moving forward in transformation. And when I'm not, I would come to him and I would say, God, I need you to change me. And I'm asking you today, I'm surrendering myself to you. I want you to change me. I'm going to give up all the self-improvement plans. And God, I'm going to trust in you and your spirit that you're going to change me. Okay? So search me, cleanse me, change me. In order, lead me. Lead me. I'm saying to him, lead me. Now, I almost called this message today, Dangerous Prayers That Change Me. because honestly they are but this is the most dangerous one I think of all because when you pray this prayer God may just upset your plans and dreams he just may change your direction when you pray this prayer because what he wants to do is he wants to allow you to focus on what he thinks is most important And what you say with the lead me prayer is, God, I trust you, and God, I'm listening to you, and God, I'm going to ask you to lead me down the path that is best for my purposes in this world, and best for me being formed in the image of Jesus Christ. (coughs) Now, some of you, when I, you know, talk about this pray, lead me, uh, you're sitting there, and you're thinking, oh, if I pray this prayer, then God's going to send me to Africa. You know, you know, that's kind of like you think like Africa's got to be the worst thing ever, you know, to go when you pray that prayer or the thing that you would give up most uh, in some way. Or God's going to send me to downtown San Francisco and, and be able to, you know, go there with people that I don't think I can relate to as well. Uh, but you know what? I want to just tell you today that God may say that. Hear me? God may say that. But more than likely, what I think he's going to say is, thank you for saying that. And now, as you go through your day, I'm going to lead you. 
I'm going to show you who I want you to talk to. I'm going to show you where I want you to go. I'm going to show you who I want you to care for. I'm going to put opportunities in front of you. And when you're saying, God, lead me, then he's going to lead you. Now, last year, 2012, uh, our church prayer was the Lord's Prayer. And uh, this year, our church prayer is the John 17 prayer that Jesus prayed, but it was the Lord's Prayer. And every day, I would pray the Lord's Prayer. And it was so meaningful for me, the way that we did it, is that I still do it this year. You know, I didn't let a calendar date change, you know, what I was doing. And so I still prayed as part of my morning devotionals. And so, you know, I say, you know, hallowed be your name. You're awesome. You're wonderful. And it said, and um, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I changed that to may your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And then what I say is, God, I want your will to be done. And I want to be part of your will. And um, so then I say, God, would you just whisper to me throughout my day? God, would you whisper to me? I know you've put people here. I know you've put opportunities. And so, and, but by the way, when you pray the prayer, God, will you whisper to me? He will. And he's going to put change, he's going to put people, and he's going to put ideas, he's going to put thoughts, he's going to put things in front of you, and then he's just waiting on you to respond. But it started with a lead me prayer. Now the psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 25. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. (coughs) For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. So are you willing to pray that prayer? Would you be willing to pray the prayer, God, lead me wherever you say? I'll do whatever you say, wherever you want, with whomever you lead, or to whomever you lead. So God, I'll do that. I'll pray that prayer, lead me, lead me. Uh, Now, this is the kind of prayer that uh, actually got me here, my wife and I, to Nevada County, is that uh, we were in transition in life and trying to figure out what was next and so we started praying god lead us and god just you would lead us to the direction the place you want for us to plan our lives and so we started praying god well if you did lead us what would it be what what kind of place would you do we think that you would lead us to and, and so we kind of started you know getting ideas about this kind of place and as, and as we looked at that we were thinking god if we could just go to a place where we would be allowed to build a church that was more focused on Jesus than about doing church, that would be the kind of place we'd want to go. And we were thinking, God, if we could go to a place where we loved living there so much and we loved the people that we got to relate to so much that we'd be willing to live there for the rest of our lives or until the cows came home (laughs) or until you said otherwise, God, we'd like to do that. God, if we could move to a place where we could get associated with a group of people who were tired of just being religious or doing church because they had to or because it was just an obligation, where it was all about regulations and looking the part, God, we'd love to go to a place like that. We said, God, if we could go to a place that was full of broken people just like us, that we could join together in what God wanted to do to heal us all. God, we'd want to go to a place like that. And then we kind of finalized the whole idea of this is, God, if we could go to a place where there'd be lots and lots of people who have not said yes to Jesus Christ, God, that's where we'd like to go. 
And I'll never forget when we came to California because, first of all, we didn't want to move to California. <laughs> Those of you from here, you love it here. Those of you who have not you know, moved from somewhere else, you probably love it here now, but when you came, you didn't, okay? And so you understand, we didn't want to move to California. And it just wasn't, an, it wasn't what we consider ideal place. But as soon as we got, it was probably in the second day of being in Nevada County, that we looked at those ideas that we believe came from God. And we looked here and we said, I believe that God is leading us here. Over 22 years ago now, we started our church. We came here. Kim and I moved here to start this. And it took faith because we were joining up with a handful of families, six families, who could barely afford to pay us. And we said we would come here and help start this church because we were listening not to their call, but God's call because we had prayed the prayer, God lead me. Sometimes he might uproot you. Sometimes he may just change your direction for the moment. But would you be willing to pray the prayer, God lead me? Look at how Isaiah prayed it. He says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And I'd love that to be all of our hearts today, that every one of us would be willing to say, God, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And so, you know, I, I told the first service this, is then kind of want to say it again, then this one, and probably in the next one too. But when our goal is not to fill all these seats on Sunday. Really? It's not? Our goal is to fill all these seats on Sunday with people who leave and get in their car seats and drive out to do what God's called them to do. So it's not just to fill the seat so that we can all have an experience and so that we can feel good about ourselves and so we can, you know, cross a T or dot an I, but it's so that when we come, we can get motivated and inspired that when we leave here, we are now entering into what would be our mission field, where we are saying, when we leave here every Sunday, we go, here I am, God, send me. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me, is where I go, so we can impact our world for him. So now let me get us all back to this whole idea of how prayer changes us. The way that prayer changes us is the prayers we pray. I gave you four. But the prayer that changes us, the way prayer changes us is that when we are in prayer, we are in that intimate connection with God. One of the books that has really challenged me, and you guys notice that whenever I hold up a book that challenges me, it's always really thin. <laughs> okay. One of the books that's really challenged me in this series, uh, and I started reading it this summer, is called The Secret Communion with God. Now, I, I know that the secret of communion with God. Now, I know that we don't, we're already sold out probably in our bookstore uh, and so you can order this on Amazon, or you can order this on christianbook.com, or you can go to our bookstore and we'll order one for you. The Secret of Communion with God. <clears throat> this is, I'm just going to say, this is college-level reading. Uh, and the reason it is is because it's written in like 1600 old English, and that's really complicated. <laughs> and I can't even, Roman numeral what? <laughs> I can't, you know, and I go through this. But what this book did is um, it challenged me in my connection with God, my relationship with Him, the secret of communion with God. And so when I'm praying, I'm coming to be with God. And when I'm with Him, I cannot help but leave changed. When I'm with Him, I cannot help but leave changed. And I, I just recommend this because it really helped me. And that's what God's calling us to. When you're with Him, you cannot help but leave 
change. Look at what it says in Psalm 5, because that's what a lot of this book is about. Oh, Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning. Lord, each morning I bring my request to you, and I wait expectantly. Oftentimes, the most richest experiences we have with God is in the times we're waiting with him for what we've asked him to do. And we get to know him. We get to know his way he works. We get to know his heart. And we wait with him because he wants to change us. Now, we're going to enter into a time of communion now. And this time of communion is a chance for us to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. But in relation to our series, in relation to our day, this time of communion is a reminder of God's invitation that you and I would come to him in relationship, that we would come to him, that he is inviting us. He's inviting you to come into those moments where you're going to talk with him and be with him. So our, our ushers are moving into place right now. They're going to get ready uh, to serve us. And when they serve us, I'm going to ask you when you take a, a piece of the bread and you take a cup of that juice that you would just hold on to it. And then uh, when we're all served together, that we would be able to uh, have communion together. While you're sitting, you can go through the prayers that we prayed today. God, search me, cleanse me, change me and lead me. You're going to have some quiet moments, and then you're going to hear a song that's a song of invitation of God inviting us to be in his presence, and right after that, we'll have communion together. So ushers, you go ahead and serve. That'd be awesome.
God's invitation to every one of us now that we would come to him and as we come now to this time of communion it's a time to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us 
that he made it possible for us to actually come into the presence of the Father. And we can come in relationship. We can come in wholeness. So as we partake today, I just want to invite you to just picture yourself with Jesus today and his invitation that he wanted to be with you. He wanted to be right here with you today. And he gave his disciples a piece of bread that he broke. And he says, when you eat this, remember my body which will be broken for you. Let's eat this. gave them some juice and he said this juice represents my blood that will be shed for you that you will be guaranteed access to my father and it establishes the new covenant the covenant of grace he said drink this and remember me God I thank you so much that we're in your presence that you are here and that you're here for everyone in this room. God, I pray today that we've gotten to see you in a different way and that our prayer life will never be the same and that we would be willing and eager to pray the prayers we've talked about. Search me. Cleanse me. Change me. And lead me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.